And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh vowing to end for-profit long-term care today and commit to a, what he's calling, care guarantee. Have a listen. Justin Trudeau teamed up with the Conservatives to vote against our motion to get profit out of long-term care, starting with Rivera, and we think that's a wrong thing. He sided with the profit-making and the very wealthy corporations that make profits off the back of seniors. We believe we need to put seniors first. All right. For more on this, joining us now is long-term care advocate, Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos, who joins us here on Global News Radio. Doctor, good afternoon. Nice to have you back on with us. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. All right. Your take on this announcement from the NDP today, does it go far enough? I'm obviously all behind any party that is talking about ownership, because I think what has been most glaring over the course of this pandemic, and certainly well before it, as per all the literature that exists out there, that ownership is one of the most detrimental impacts to the care that these residents receive, and not only the care, but the working conditions that these workers have to experience. Because, you know, it's Pat Armstrong who puts it best. She's a leading Canadian long-term care expert, that the conditions of work become the conditions of care. And we have had a race to the bottom in this sector ever since the for-profits really started to increase their share of market dominance, quite frankly, in long-term care. And it has been a constant race to the bottom of de-skilling and exploitation of these workers, which directly contributes to preventable injury, the COVID deaths that we saw the, you know, preventable debts and the neglect. This is all preventable if we simply move this system into public nonprofit delivery where it should have been all along. And that was a huge mistake to leave it out more comprehensively out of the Canada Health Act. Now, Mr. Singh was pressed on this uh, during his presser earlier today, the uh, cost and what it will take to actually remove uh, for-profit long-term care. Do we have a handle on that at all, what the cost would be and how quickly this could get done? No. And the thing is, I think people that are certainly people speaking on behalf of the for-profits that are trying to make it seem like, oh, my gosh, there's no way we could afford this. First of all, we pay for this regardless. So people need to know that the, the provinces, with the federal help, pays for long-term care. I mean, we subsidize this, unlike retirement homes, which is entirely private. So we're paying for this regardless. But unfortunately, as we have seen through the research, the, you know, from the staffing outcomes to the care outcomes, the municipal homes, which are the most akin to the public kind of health care that we are used to, fared the best all throughout the pandemic, well before it. We have lots of evidence on not only their, the mis, you know, their cost savings, they're more creative, they provide better care, they pay their workers more, they have more staff. I mean, there's so much evidence against the profit model in long-term care. But what we need to do is look at this as a, as a you know, a, a gradual process because nobody anywhere is saying, you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're suddenly going to kick all the for-profits out of the sector. Nobody is saying that. What we're saying is, and what people should know, is that these homes all have contracts. These contracts are usually 25 to, 30, 25 to 30 years, and they're all expiring at different times. What we're saying is, and this kind of mentality is, we have time now. Pay attention to when the homes, these for-profit homes that are known bad actors, and we know many of them who they are, we need to start preparing for them to be taken over when their contracts expire. Don't renew them. Why would you when the evidence clearly supports that they have no place in this sector. And now is the time to start preparing for that, to start preparing to hand it over to nonprofit organizations who show a true willingness and ability to do this and or ideally, in my opinion, 
folding it into municipalities where we have seen the most excellent outcomes are indeed the municipal long-term care homes. So in the short term, just how important is this care yeah. guarantee that uh, Mr. Singh and the NDP talked about uh, earlier today, which I take it means uh, certain levels of staffing, hours of yeah. care per uh, resident. I mean, just yeah. how important is that in the short term to ensure those in long-term care and for-profit long-term care are adequately and properly taken care of? I mean, it's critical. And we have had these conversations with, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau's office as well. So we have not only met my, my meaning myself and my Canadians for long-term care advocacy group, we have met with all of the parties, um, you know, the, the least <laughs> helpfulness was by Aaron O'Toole's office, who literally equated national standards to red tape. That is literally what they see it as. Um, but unfortunately, we've seen that our prime minister, who has the power to do this and himself has promised to do this, has yet to act on this. They've put some committees together to what tell us more of what we already know. I don't understand because we've showed them the process. In the interim, what you need to do right now, well, actually, we should have done yesterday, is create a very list, a short list of very tangible standards around, for example, staffing ratios and making sure the staffing mix in these homes is appropriate. Because as we have seen with the for-profit sector getting in here, we saw that the nursing proportion of workers in the sector has been decimated, right? Because instead they replaced them with cheaper workers. And when I mean cheaper, I mean workers who are not regulated, do not have this profession that has garnered better wages and better working conditions, meaning the nurses unions. And instead, we have PSWs, and now on top of that, over the course of the pandemic, they de-skilled this labor even further to create new care categorizations, particularly in Ontario, being resident support aides, which we all fought against. But instead, Minister Fullerton, you know, previous minister, uh, let that happen anyway. And we were pretty sure that those were lobbying efforts of the for-profit sector, and it, which is behind that. Um, so you need to have a, a hand, we're talking a handful, things like having criminal charges, hefty financial penalties that you can immediately levy against these bad actors who repeatedly break their respective long-term care homes acts and their, you know, respective provinces. We have one in Ontario, the long-term care homes act and making sure that we have better accountability, oversight and clear standards that has to be done immediately in the interim for all homes. And then progressively as these for-profit contracts come up for expiry, Start blending it in, absorbing it into the public system, because all of the evidence is very clear on this. This is where you have the safest, the most accessible, the cheapest, quite frankly. There is this ridiculous myth of cost savings with the for-profit model, which has been debunked in the literature. I mean, there are several studies that have done international studies in multiple jurisdictions that showed that it is a complete myth to assume that bringing in the for-profits produces any some sort of cost savings because it doesn't, right? So literally all of the evidence we have clearly points to the need to remove the profit model from long-term care. So the fact that, especially after what we saw, the fact that we lost over 14,000 Canadians in long-term care over this pandemic, accounting for two-thirds of all the COVID deaths, and yet we still don't have every single leader treating this like an election issue and talking about the detrimental impact of ownership is astounding to me and, frankly, to all of the experts, to all of the families and to all of the people who have been paying attention to what is going on this past year and a half. And I was going to ask you about that as we're joined by long-term care advocate, Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos. So you just uh, mentioned some of the, the data when it comes to okay. seniors' long-term yeah. care in the uh, pandemic. Uh, Mr. Singh, and I want to quote him here because this really struck me earlier today, he says, I want us to remember how horrible it was. I can't allow us to forget that the military had to be uh, called in, and when they were called in, what they saw was so traumatic, it was worse in some cases than what they saw in war-torn communities. 
With that in mind, do you think that this has been long-term care enough of an election issue so far? No, I don't. I've been very disappointed. Uh, Frankly, you know, Jagmeet has been the only person talking about ownership, which is important. I obviously, in my opinion, Aaron O'Toole could care less about, you know, privatizing, further privatizing the health care. I believe he overtly said that yesterday. Um, So, you know, I have zero faith in him to do anything positive in this realm. And unfortunately, you know, we've had talks with the the federal government, with Justin Trudeau and his people, and we have not seen uh, the kinds of, of, you know, change (laughs) and action on long-term care. And we have been having these meetings for months now and building off Trudeau's own throne speech back in September and October, which reiterated the need to address long-term care and to fix this. And we're still here talking about this. And only what, a few days ago, Justin Trudeau decided to talk about, you know, tripling the, initially they allocated $3 billion to long-term care, which is ridiculous in the budget, in the federal budget. And now it's apparently going to go to $9 billion. I, I don't know. We've never heard of this. The people, the stakeholders, my group was not, you know, have not had recent conversations with them. So is this just an election you know, promise that that do you actually have the desire to do anything about it? Because you're the one in charge and you haven't done anything yet. So I I find myself in a position where I'm having a strong (laughs) difficulty trusting our leader right now when it comes to long term care. And I've made this very clear because I'm the kind of person that likes to see action. And we've had, you know, over 500 days now of of non-action. And I think we're all just tired at this point. Well, it's important, obviously, to keep the dialogue going. And we appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Long-term care advocate, Dr. Vivian Stamatopoulos with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.